many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. Welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. My guest this morning has, has, has seen and experienced it all in the financial world, audits, mergers and acquisition, restructuring, spin-offs, done that, working for an international firms, been there. With vast experience in the financial world, he then decided it is time to found his own venture. My guest this morning is Tommy Belzis, co-founder and CEO of Whitehaven Securities in Laval, Quebec. Good morning, Tommy. Good morning, David. Thank you for having me. Ah, welcome to Taking Care of Business, and thank you for being my guest this morning. Uh, I guess it's snowing in Laval, and it's a wonderful day in Calgary. Yeah, we we were good uh, until this morning when I woke up and we had a few uh, centimeters of snow and had to rush all the kids to school, all the traffic, just to... (laughs) I, I wanted to make sure I don't miss this uh, unique opportunity. I'm a little disappointed it took this long for you to invite me. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to practice, so it will be good because with you, I, it's always a challenge. So I, I wanted to be at my best. So it, it took me about two years to prepare for for hosting you. Um, so, Tommy, before we go in details into your business experience, uh, we would like to learn more about you as on a personal level. So um, your office is in La, uh, Laval, Quebec, but was Laval? always a home or where were you born where did you grow up yeah i'm uh i was born and raised here in uh laval i mean in the montreal region pretty much grew up i uh, did all my schooling from uh, elementary school all the way to uh university uh, i ended up graduating from the john molson school school of business where i finished and uh, got my uh, charter accountancy as a ca and went to work on uh, to um, with uh, pwc uh, later on finished off my cfa as well uh, worked also in a large international company called Lalma, uh, which uh, at the time was the third largest yeast manufacturer in the world. Uh, at the, I believe they own, they have a 70% of the world uh, wine yeast market. And I was in charge of finances in North America, Canada, US, and Mexico, part of a mergers and acquisitions team. Wow. Uh, a yeah. lot of experience, as as we mentioned. So before we go into uh, your experience in university, you kind of yeah, skipped a long time of your childhood and uh, high school, and we want to explore a little bit what kind of a per- a kid were you, uh, like an active kid, a sports uh, kid, uh, a bookworm. What kind of a kid were you growing up in the Montreal uh, area in, in Laval? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I grew up in a sense where... Um, uh, my my father was a very entrepreneurial person, and uh, he had a few businesses. And uh, I grew up where I was, uh, you know, a bit of a troublemaker when I was younger, <laughs> and uh, later on got a little more serious. But I started off my first uh, little company, uh, cutting grass for uh, the local uh, local neighborhood. That uh, I think I was like thirteen or fourteen, and uh, I kind of realized, well, if you know, I'm getting Ten bucks for cutting everybody, each individual's grass. Well, I just went and took over the other kids that, and I was giving him two bucks, and I was keeping. <laughs> and my father went and says, "Well, how are you making money? I don't see you working." And, uh, <laughs> so, and so you, uh, yeah, so I, I was very. Go ahead. 
So you explain to your dad that you make money of only for other people work for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I was very active. I played a, a lot of hockey, uh, soccer, football. And uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, my, my parents are from Greek descent. Uh, they came here in the, my mom came here a little earlier. My father came in the late 70s and uh, just, you know, good with uh, middle class people working hard, uh, put some good values in us. And, uh, you know, like number one always told me, you know, don't chase money, chase experience. And that's what I've done all my life is, uh, you know, I did everything to gain knowledge and experience uh, that you can't take. Money comes and goes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's pretty much uh, the philosophy and the culture I grew up around. And uh, noticed later on in my life, I had to get a little more serious because uh, it's not all fun and games. <laughs> I, I Point, have a question uh, for I, I have a question for you in regards to um, your parents. Uh, you mentioned that they came from Greece. So yeah. for me, uh, when you know when you talk about Greece, it's uh, the great movie of my big fat Greek wedding. So <laughs> did your parents? Did your father walk around the house with Windex? No, him was garlic. Oh, I see. <laughs> but now on a serious question, you know, I immigrated here and my kids were very, very young um, when uh, we came here. And I never asked them, and I'm going to ask you because your parents are immigrants as well. So as a kid, you know, we come uh, from different countries and different uh, habits and different uh, backgrounds. We, and we bring with us some of the old habits from the old uh, world that we immigrated from. So as a kid, how how did you... I'm trying to figure out the words. Was it a little bit weird that your parents came with different habits and different ways of life than the local guys? Uh, how did it impact you at all, if at all? Um, how did you feel about it? Were other kids happy to come to your house? Uh, were they, were they you kind of you know try to hide some of the old habits? <laughs> no, I mean my parents. I mean. My father, my mom came when she was younger, so she was in her, uh, I think she was around 10 years old when she came to Canada. So she actually went through some schooling here, and she was more, you know, more of a Canadian than uh, than Greek, if you want. Yeah, uh, yeah. Father came later on uh, and uh, ended up, and that's how they met. But on our side, uh, we, you know, we were a family that, you know, we integrated to society. We uh, they believed in education. They believed in, you know, we came to a, to a land where there was more opportunities than where they were from and uh the, you know it wasn't really it wasn't really anything to to mention that you know like uh we're not proud of something or we're right. I, I mean very hospitable people and my mom used to cook for everybody in the neighborhood and uh, <laughs> my father still makes all his tomatoes and cucumbers in the backyard and supplies uh supplies the whole uh the whole neighborhood uh but uh no we're like i mean you know typical Immigrant parents that came here and wanted a better life for their kids, and uh, they gave us everything. So you said that your mom still cooks. So if I come to Laval, can I trust on a copita and moussaka? <laughs> My father will make a will make a lamb for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you you mentioned earlier that um, you had your business and you're cutting grass, and then you hired other guys to uh, other kids to cut the grass for you, and they're just collect. What was your dream when you started? your company and started kind of making money, then what was what became your dream to do when you grow up, when you kind of mature? Honestly, which, never, which never happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on it. But, yeah. uh, 
Uh, no, I, I don't know I, if I really had a, um, a goal in the sense of what I wanted to do. It was more of a, uh, as I grew up, everybody used to tell me, oh, do something that makes you happy. And, uh, and then what I kind of noticed as I was growing up, it's not really that, uh, you know, happiness comes and goes depending on, you know, <laughs> it could come from material stuff. It could come from uh, relationships that you have. And what I want, what I noticed is, uh, as I got older is I, f- I feel like I needed to, to do something that makes me, that makes me wake up every morning and says, you know, I, I want to be fulfilled. I want to do something for a meaning. And uh, that's pretty much where I kind of like changed a bit my vision and the way of doing things. Uh, and, and I just wanted to focus on something uh, that, uh, you know, I could be proud of. And, you know, on my last day, say, you know what, I did what I wanted to do. Because I, what I find is when you're chasing happiness, uh, yeah, you may be happy, but tomorrow you may not be. But when you're doing something that, you know, can impact people's lives, can can uh, make you fulfill yourself. I mean, there's going to be days that are good and days that are bad. I mean, in, in the vi- business world that we are today, I mean, the market goes up and down, but I still love what I do. Uh, there's days that I'm, I'm happier. There's days that I'm not as happy. But at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm really fulfilled in what I'm doing right now and having an impact on people's lives and using the background and the ex- expertise and the experience I've gained over the years. That's what really uh, you know, keeps me going. Yeah. Uh, one last question before we go into the, your uh, education uh, like um, experience yeah. is the guys that you hire to work for you for two bucks, if we, are you still in touch with them or are they completely con- disconnected all relationship with you when they realized what happened? No, a lot of them are still friends of mine. They were childhood friends in the neighborhood and uh, you know, uh, for them it was uh, just making a little a little extra money but uh, that didn't last very long because they were complaining in the neighborhood. It was one summer. <laughs> I see. Um, so you, you mentioned you went to university and you graduated with uh, different degrees. Um, you stayed in, in Quebec the whole time? You didn't go anywhere else? Yeah, I, uh, I stayed in Montreal. Uh, we had great, great universities right here. Um, we, uh, my, I, I lived a bit with my grandparents because uh, they were not too far from the John Molson School of Business, the Concordia University. And uh, I looked around, maybe going to you know, Ontario or abroad, but uh, my, uh, I'm, very, I'm very close to uh, my parents, especially my mother. And uh, she really didn't want me to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And, and you got your diploma. And um, how easy or tough was it to find your first job after you got your diploma? What year was it, by the way? I got my, uh, I got my CA in, what, 2002, I believe, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Okay. Uh, wasn't very, and, um, for me, it wasn't very tough to, to find jobs. Uh, I've worked. You know, when I was younger, I worked in different aspects from from a fish market to a supermarket to a flower shop to fueling airplanes at the airports. Uh, I I always had instilled that model in my head that, you know, go chase experience. My father always told me, chase experience. Go learn as much as you can. And, uh, you know, when you, when you want to work, there's always work. It could be a bad economy. It could be a good economy. You always find work. Uh, now, it's obviously a question of, uh, of economics and uh, you know does it make sense to at, at what price but I you know when all my you know I, I live with my parents so I had no costs I yeah. bought a car using my tips from the supermarket uh, I had no cost so any job that sounded interesting I went and did it and uh, 
So when it came time when I finished my education and I got my CA, I, I got a, I was, I had already been hired by PwC mm-hmm. for audit, uh, audit side of things. And uh, as soon as I got it, I was actually working with him uh, on my last year at the, um, at the uh, before I finished school. And, no, and you know, after that, I had never had an issue on uh, finding work. And uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't moved around since uh, PwC that often. Yeah. I was PwC for a few years, and for Alma about seven years. I left to start up my own consulting firm, and then that's when I left to start off waiting. So, uh, working as part of uh, a big accounting firm like uh, PwC, what kind of experience did you gain there that helps you today? Well, you're surrounded by by professionals. That's the one thing that um, that uh, was quite uh, quite. That, like, like I took away is that you're surrounded by professionals, people that uh, have deadlines, that uh, have expertise and know how to find information. And uh, it was just a great experience. I, I chased, again, mandates where um, I'm not sure if I can mention which mandates for, for uh, pr- uh, private reasons, but uh, you, you just chase experience again. And I worked on uh, very closely with some great partners, some great senior managers. I got some great experience understanding businesses, seeing how we look at it. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, traveled a bit, learned, uh, you know, learned how to, how to manage time zones and people and with different languages as well too. I worked a bit in the U.S. for PwC. And uh, yeah, no, it was, a, it was just a great experience. And, and I still keep touch with, touch with them. So um, you then leave and move to the private sector, working as you mentioned for one of the world's largest yeast manufacturers. So, what what made this decision to move? And and from you know, it's easier to audit someone else than rather to make decisions. <laughs> no, honestly, it was just by accident. Um, they had heard about me because I had done a lot of. I had become a pretty much a. Uh, as an expert in uh, multi-currency uh, cash flow statements. And uh, since they were an international company, there wasn't that many people that had the expertise I had in that sense. And uh, obviously having an audit. And they approached me and uh, made me a pretty uh, pretty sweet offer that I that, like I couldn't say no at that age. Um, you know, revamping their accounting systems, revamping their reporting system, being part of their audit committee as being the youngest member, uh, and uh, being offered to... You know, Pretty much, it, it was a great experience in the sense that, or a great offer that, as long as you keep demonstrating leadership abilities, we, the, you know, you'll grow with the company. And uh, honestly, I'm very proud to say that uh, what they said uh, is actually what they did. I just kept working, 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 and enjoying it, and ended up traveling all over Europe, Africa, South America, U.S., Mexico, acquisitions, restructurings, and stuff like that, and. It just, uh, I, I probably still would still be there if I hadn't made a decision about family. <laughs> I see. And, uh, you know, an expert in international currency and traveling to all these places means uh, laundering money? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Uh, well, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> well, Tommy, we have to take our first commercial break. Uh, to our listeners, uh, if you'd like to learn more about White Heaven, uh, please open a new tab and check their website, www.whitehaven.ca. Check the Our Company page to learn what White Heaven Securities stands for. We will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. 
Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D I V I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with Taking Care of Business with my guest, Tommy Beltzis, co-founder and CEO of Whitehaven Securities in Laval, Quebec. So, Tommy, before we went into the commercial break, we discussed uh, the difference between the private sector that you worked for, the yeast manufacturer, uh, versus your experience before that working with the PwC in the audit. So, when did you decide that it's time for you to start your own fam- your own firm? Uh, well, one... What happened was I actually uh, left uh, the company we just spoke about, Lalma, uh, for obviously for family reasons, and uh, I was traveling quite a bit, and I wanted to do something a little different. And uh, I had, you know, having a background CFA, CA, um, a lot of my friends and family were asking me, well, why don't you do something in finance? Uh, you're a very ethical uh, individual, and uh, you obviously know uh, your stuff, so we, we would love to be able to, you know, have your wisdom and your professional expertise in uh, managing our money, and uh, that's when I uh, looked into the market. And that you know, goes back to that goes back to what I said before the commercial money laundering. That's what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> it's uh, it's fine, and uh, so yeah, so that's how it pretty much uh, the, the thinking looked in, and I was looking for uh, to start something. And uh, that's pretty much uh, I land. Uh, that's how I landed on the uh, exam market. And I researched it a bit and noticed that in Quebec, there was no uh, there was no real exam market dealers that were focused on the retail side. There's many of them, but not uh, there weren't that many on the retail side. And uh, when I looked into it, I said, "Wow, I can uh, I can get all these private deals that I was." exposed to and uh, you know within my background in history and expertise uh, I can make them eligible for RSPs and TFSAs and that's uh, and I said well that's interesting I don't need to get new money uh, I just have to move some people's portfolios around and uh, be able to diversify them using some sort of alternative investments focused on the exam market I want to stop you for a second and ask you uh, in two minutes or, or less can you explain what the exempt market is for the benefit of our listeners? 
Yeah, sure. Well, the exam market is, well, before we talk about the exam market, well, to get into an investment, there's three types of, uh, three, type, three ways to get into it. One is through a term sheet, could be pretty much a one piece of paper uh, saying, I'm getting into this investment. Uh, the second way is through an offering memorandum. And the third way is through a prospectus. Most people know the prospectus because that's the one that's typically found for uh, retail clients. Uh, term sheet is mostly done through accredited investors, uh, high net worth individuals that are doing deals amongst themselves. And that's where the OM comes in. And there's an OM exemption where, uh, and that's why the, it's called an exempt market, is exempt from prospectus. And so it's a smaller document that's, you know, could be from anywhere between 40 pages to 200 pages that explains basically what an, the investor is getting into how the funds are going to be used, who is the management, what are the key risks, doesn't identify all risks, but the key risks, the tax consequences and that's, uh, in that aspect, some audited statements. And uh, to get into these type of investments, uh, there's certain criteria that are quantitative that the regulators have put in place to protect the industry and to protect the investors or to, to, to try to protect them, I should say. Yeah, uh, and uh, so that's pretty much what the exempt market is: is uh, uh, exempt from prospectus. So you get into an investment opportunity through an offering memorandum. I see. Um, was there a special uh, person or an event that kind of uh, helped you make the final decision to start your own venture? Actually, I was. It was just an idea at uh, one point where I was exploring, you know, something with portfolio management, uh, maybe some mutual funds, some insurance, you know, just. Pretty much. And then what happened was I was actually, uh, the year before I started Whitehaven, I was at a, com- a CFA conference as an independent party. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, just my name. Uh, yeah, no. yeah. And I was sitting around the table with some individuals that I, I didn't know. And uh, they were telling me about what they're doing and uh, what they're planning to do. And I just told them, well, I'm looking to start a firm and I'm, uh, you know, I want to do something on focused on uh, private markets and a bit portfolio manager, a bit of insurance, a bit of mutual funds, a bit of maybe mortgages and stuff like that. And, and they just said, yeah, good luck. You, you actually think you can get some done. And, and I, I've always had that in me, like, you know, nothing is impossible, but it's highly uh, improbable. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and uh, that was really the key that really pushed me to, uh, to make a decision because, uh, you know, you know, working as a, you know, director of finance of a large institution, making a good salary, a good pension, good benefits, uh, to letting everything go and uh, pretty much living, uh, you know, on uh, on on savings until your company is <laughs> built up. Is uh, you know, I mean, you have to have a special wife as well too that understands entrepreneurs. So. I see. Um, so once you decided uh, that this is your direction, what were the first steps you took? Well, the first steps I took is. Uh, Calling a few uh, family and friends to see if they were interested in uh, starting, a, helping me start up my venture, um, putting a business plan together, contacting a few lawyers to get their idea. How do I go about uh, making sure I get all the licenses in place? How do I get licenses? I mean, I came from a, a you know business background. I wasn't in the financial industry uh, for the last 20 years, and uh, I just really said, you know what, I want to get into something different, and that's how we roll up our sleeves, and we got. And uh, got involved, uh, and that's uh, the challenge I had at the beginning too. Is I, I would go to all these events that 
people know and all these organizations and everybody like, who are you? I've never heard of you. <laughs> so yeah. I joke around telling people I know more people uh, outside of Canada than I know people in Canada. Because uh, especially I did, uh, I worked you know, seven years for Lanmao, traveling all over the world almost, you know, at the end, almost three weeks out of four. Uh, one week in Europe, one week in Africa, one week in the U.S., let's say. Uh, so like, you get to meet a lot of people outside and uh, yeah, so it was a, it, it was challenging at the beginning. For so how did how did you overcome those challenges? What what, what did you do to overcome those challenges? Uh, I guess every entrepreneur has challenges to start, but it's different ways to overcome them. So what did you guys do, or what did you do to overcome the challenges you had in in creating or you know getting the company off the ground and getting your clients? Yeah, well, the first thing I did is because being new uh, in in the industry, we uh, decided that uh, we didn't want to have a trust account. We didn't want anybody writing checks to us. Uh, so we just, you know, you want to get into this investment, well, you write the check directly to a custodian or directly to the uh, company uh, on the exempt side. Uh, so that's one thing to make sure that the feel, make sure that the clients feel that. Their uh, their assets are protected. Second is you know first is well second is to try to get my uh, friends and family that pushed me <laughs> into starting a firm yeah. uh, uh, to get them on board and say well okay you know I did it now so uh, you guys on board <laughs> and uh, yeah and you know and then and just sticking to your guns and you know I'm an accountant so obviously budgeting planning uh, strategic thinking, uh, enterprise risk management and growing the firm over, over time. And January is going to be five years that we're in business. Um, so on your uh, resume, I saw co-founder, which means you have one or more, uh, more partners, um, when you started a company, um, how did you choose your partners to start the comp- the company? Well, the, the main partner I have is uh, Dimitri uh, Kufejan, uh, who's a longtime friend of mine from uh, CGIP. Uh, so I just gave him a call and I said, listen, I'm, uh, I'm starting, uh, starting a firm. Do you want to get on board? And he's like, if you're doing it, I'm in. And, <laughs> and that was pretty much the, 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 you know, the whole thing, how, how it all happened. And you know, as we progress, I mean, other parties came in and all that, but there's really... Myself and, uh, you know, calling my good buddy Dimitri and saying, I'm going to do something, I think, crazy, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, I see. And um, what was the decision-making process? Is it, was it unanimous, uh, majority, the CEO makes a decision? How do you guys manage uh, a partnership on a day-to-day decision-making process? Well, I mean, it depends on each each company at what stage they're at. Uh, when we first started off, obviously, uh, I had veto on pretty much uh, pretty much anything as long as you know things made sense. Nobody really challenged me on that. Uh, but as we grow, as we grow, uh, like we're in a process right now of setting up a advisory committee, an audit committee. Uh, we like transparency. I like corporate governance. I came from that world, right? Uh, so, you know, so, so it's like I like to be challenged. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm fully transparent. Uh, I like people telling me, you know, I have a vision. doesn't mean that uh, it's, the, it's the right one or the right timing of it. Uh, I, li- I have no problem with, uh, you know, people challenging me and saying, well, are you sure about this? Uh, explaining to them, or maybe we should wait a bit until certain things happen. That's why we've implemented the last 12 months on ERM, uh, an enterprise risk management, where we identify all the risks of our firm. 
based on the different multi-licenses that we do or the different business lines that we do. And from that point on, we, uh, you know, we, we, we just kind of go through and say, well, what are the key risks? Uh, are you considered high, medium, low? And what are our compensating controls? And what are we, how do we mitigate these risks? And uh, I think that's, that's one reason why we've been successful in, in growing the firm across Canada is really being able to manage uh, these kind of risks uh, on a, or manage the company on a risk basis. And obviously... You know, uh, you have to leave some uh, money on the table sometimes because you know you make a decision on 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 you know, protecting the firm, protecting the yeah. clients, protecting the people around you, the stakeholders, and uh, and you just move forward. And I'm very I'm you know I'm very proud. It's not uh, I still you know I'm the CEO. I still make the uh, overall strategy and uh, bring on uh, the vision that I think the firm is going to. And uh, yeah, we take it. Uh, we take it from there. I mean, we just like this week. We just launched our uh, our app on the, the App Store on the Android Store. I think it's going to be available today. Uh, so again, forward thinking. Uh, we started Whitehaven TV, uh, noticing that there's less transparency in the exam market because again, it's it's the private markets where we interview CEOs or presidents or people involved with the companies that. We invest or we, or we bring to the market uh, for just people to be aware of who, who, you know, putting a face and seeing a bit of vision and how uh, how well-spoken each entrepreneur is. So we're always trying to uh, to push the boundaries. Uh, we're, you know, we're on the verge of getting our investment fund manager license. Uh, we're hoping very soon and launching our first uh, public market uh, funds, hopefully January 1st. And uh, yeah, just growing. We have good people around us. We keep getting uh, more and more good people and uh, more and more clients that are very happy and just pushing the boundaries on the investment side. Um, when you started, um, did you have any kind of mission, vision, purpose, uh, core values that you kind of identified or you just said, you know what, I have this idea, let's go for it and that's it. Well, the first one was I got to prove to my wife that I didn't do a stupid decision. (laughs) (laughs) That's for life. That's like a prison for life. (laughs) (laughs) No comment on that one. You're on your own. (laughs) But uh, honestly, uh, you know, I know the finance world. I've seen it uh, per se. As an entrepreneur, there is money to be made. It's a question of how you make it and what niche you get into. And... um, it wasn't really any, uh, well, we want to you know, be the number one in Canada. We want to have the largest market share. We want to, you know, it's, it was more of, well, brand. The, that was the number one thing was how do we get our brand out there to be known that we are a serious player in the market, not necessarily uh, the largest and what makes us unique. And, uh, you know, we have, and pretty much that was it. And as we go along, our, you know, our strategy changes. Uh, you know, first we said, well, we wanted to grow to that extent to being uh, the largest exam market dealer in Quebec, well, not on the retail side. And we've, we've accomplished that. Uh, we're, we're in the top in Canada as well, too, right now. And, you know, we're just fine-tuning it. Now we're looking at our funds. We're looking at, you know, there's a few other ideas that we're looking at. We launched our first venture capital fund as well, too. And we're just constantly trying to like we tell clients to to diversify themselves uh in different you know understand risks and their ability and willingness to take on risk for us is it's the same thing is 
uh, well, we don't want to put our eggs in one basket too. So we kind of created a multi-license platform where we offer mutual funds, we offer uh, exam products, we offer portfolio, tailored portfolio management services, uh, high net worths are looking for some venture cap and we have some, we have a great network where we can bring some unique uh, products that can have exit strategies to three to five years. So what we, uh, what we try to offer is to be able to sit with an investor and say, well, let's listen to what their needs are. Let's see what your ability to take on risk is. Let's see what your willingness to take on risk. Uh, what, what kind of constraints you have in your life, uh, what kind of liquidity, and then based on that information, well, we have multiple, you know, multiple avenues that we can look at, whereas other firms or other, you know, other investment uh, companies, you know, they sell this and that's pretty much it and you got to go around uh, to find what exactly you want. Uh, you could go to the banks, you can go to other places, but We've tried to make ourselves, uh, position ourselves as uh, taking care of clients. And, you know, I think we're, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty successful so far where we're at. You know, I mean, we've got uh, hockey players that are our clients. We've got, uh, you know, some big, uh, some actors. We've got some, you know, high net worth individuals, some large entrepreneurs that sold their businesses and cashed out and they're, they're knocking on our door. And then we've got, you know, uh, the aunts and the uncles uh, that, you know, are middle class people that, you know, have a bit of savings on the side. Uh, so, yeah, that, I mean, and we've become a leader in Canada as offering different types of alternative investments. And we're proud to say that, you know, we don't want to be known as only the alternative investment people, but uh, we, we, you know, we call ourselves a family here at Whitehaven. I see. Well, we reached our second commercial break. Uh, when you check out whitehaven.ca on their homepage, you can find their new app and check all services they provide investors. We'll be back following the commercials. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with my guest, Tommy Belts, is co-founder and CEO of Whitehaven Securities on taking care of business. So, Tommy, before we uh, went into the second commercial break, uh, we, 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 you kind of described what Whitehaven is doing and how you kind of position yourself. Um, and my question to you, how do you keep, you know, your sales force all across the country um, focused on what Whitehaven wants to do? It, it, it's we're a big country. Canada is a big Canada is a big country from from the Pacific coast to the Atlantic coast. So how do you keep the sales force, uh, you know, committed to the values that you want to share with investors and 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 with your force with your uh, employees? Yeah. Well, one way is uh, I I uh, personally meet every uh, every individual that wants to join our firm. Uh, just to see if they're, you know, what what drives them to uh, to do business, what uh, what they heard about us, why they want to join us. There's a lot of people that we've just said, listen, you know what? Uh, I don't think you're the right fit for our firm. Uh, not because they're bad people or anything. It's just you know, like like you said, we we just want to have this certain core values that everybody has that uh, that not necessarily. Uh, you know, in the finance world, uh, sometimes transpires, but uh, we're you know we're we're sticking to our guns. And since we are still a smaller, smaller company, uh, we I get to try to meet as many as I can. And uh, every time I fly around the country, well, I try to set up meetings where we can discuss uh, you know vision, we can discuss business, we can discuss uh, products, we can discuss pretty much anything. And even on a personal note. Uh, I, have, I have reps that called me for, you know, on some personal stuff that, you know, how I see things or how I can give, provide them some advice. Uh, and I guess the, uh, the idea is uh, once you get those troops that have the same kind of thinking, the same kind of uh, culture that you've instilled upon your firm, then... As you grow, those individuals will continue growing it kind of thing, right? I guess it's a bit like children when you, uh, you know, you're a product of your environment. And I guess uh, that's how I look at it is saying, well, if I create this kind of environment, well, that environment should, you know, should push through to becoming a bigger environment. And uh, yeah, I think uh, so far that's how we've been positioning ourselves. One of the, uh, I would say... um, tests that a company and a, and a leader goes through is a uh, time of crisis. And I want to go back to 2017 um, that you had a crisis, Whitehaven had a crisis. You had a bunch of people leave on one day sending you, um, you know, their resignation um, one day um and basically, you lost some of your sales force. How did uh, Demetrius, your partner, and you, and how did Whitehaven deal with this crisis? 
Oh, I mean, uh, anytime you you get an uh, you get uh, an event that that uh, reduces your sales force, or uh, or you know, maybe the market's volatility that we've seen recently. Uh, you know, every day we deal in crises. <laughs> that's why I mentioned it's not about uh, for me. It's not about doing something what you're happy. It's doing something that fulfills you. And uh, yeah, and I, at that time too, we just sat back and said, okay, well, you know, what individuals, why, and. Uh, you know, just look at it in that sense. And, uh, you know, you look back sometimes and you're like, listen, things happen for a reason. And uh, you just, uh, it just reinforces uh, the core that you have and you move forward. And that's what happened with us. I mean, uh, people, you know, there's opportunities. You know, there's, you know, it's a bit like you, know, you have a restaurant and you have a bunch of uh, waiters that uh, see the success of the, uh, the restaurant and they look back and say, oh, you know what, we can do something like that. Uh, on our side too, and uh, they decide to to start their own firm or they you know move on to something else. Uh, it's part of life. It's competition. There's nothing wrong with competition, healthy competition. And uh, yeah, we managed it the same way. We looked at our costs, we looked at the sales volumes, and uh, you know, and we we looked at our, our assets under management, and uh, said, well, you know, it's not the, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> it it happens. And, uh, yeah, we just uh, rolled up our sleeves. We structured a bit our operations, uh, maybe cut some budgets down uh, at, the, at the beginning. And, uh, you know, four months later, we're back to where we were and, uh, you know, 25% more assets under management. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just focus on that aspect. You know, you, again, like I mentioned, it's, you know, if we handle, we manage the firm based on enterprise risk management. And, uh, yeah, and I have no hard feelings for anybody. That's part of business. So, you know, and sometimes you, <laughs> it goes well. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, no, we're we're very happy. We've actually made uh, made us uh, everybody together even stronger and uh, build the relationships even better internally and with our existing uh, sales force and even with our clients. Uh, I mean, just like I said, uh, we worked we worked hard and you know, we launched our app. We we launched White Haven TV, a little uh, innovative in the industry on uh, communicating with our clients. Uh, there's a few other twists that are going to be coming out very soon that people are going to hear about. Uh, which from, from what you describe, Tommy, sorry for cutting you. From what yeah. you describe, it seems to me that uh, this, uh, I would say, crisis, or maybe we should call it challenge, yeah. uh, maybe made you a little bit stronger as a company and, and as, as leaders. Oh, of course. I mean, at the end of the day, that's where, you know, in periods of crisis or challenges, that's where you notice who your friends and uh, family are. And uh, also as an individual where you roll up your sleeves and say, okay, well, you know what, this is what's happening. And how do you, uh, how do you attack? How do you uh, keep moving forward? And uh, yeah, exactly like that. We, it, it's actually made us a stronger company. Uh, you know, it's made us rethink and relook at, uh, you know, what, what, you know, had gone by, gone past the last few years, and said, okay, well, we're at this point of uh, this point in, the, in our company. Well, you know, what uh, what uh, what can we do moving forward? Where should we position ourselves? What should we do? Who are the players that we can rely on? Who are the people we can't rely on? You know, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, since then, we, you know, our reps, uh, we've gotten, we've added more sales force. We've added more. Uh, more assets under management. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, we're having a successful exit in one of our products right now. We've established uh, key relationships with certain people and reinforced them. And uh, yeah, like you mentioned, it, it, that certain challenges in life, we, you know, it could be through 
business, it could, through, it could be through personal uh, divorce or something like that. It just, you know, makes you reflect and, and it's how you react to it moving forward. Uh, you know, some people will pick up challenges and they'll sit there and cry and say, oh, why, why, why? But you know what? That's, that's, that's an entrepreneur, I guess, is uh, you roll up your sleeves and you start thinking about what you can do to take it to the next step. And uh, honestly, uh, we think that uh, that was a crucial point where uh, it, it brought us to a little, take a step back and say, okay, where do we want to go now? And, and reinforced and we've just been taking off ever since. And I'm very proud of the team. I'm very proud of the, you know, the, the, the reps, uh, the, the sales force, for the clients that stood by us. The uh, like the staff has just been unbelievable. The staff has just been you know uh, just 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 there and just rolling up their sleeves and working harder and trying to establish more efficiencies. And yeah, we've been quite successful in the last twelve months. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned uh, a new app app coming uh, today or this week, um, and coming out of the. Uh, challenge we had last year what is the challenge moving forward growing going moving forward what do you see is your biggest challenge uh, whitehaven biggest challenge in, in growing your business well like i said for whitehaven it, it, there's multiple challenges because we are a multi-licensed firm i mean we have our like our portfolio management side we have our, uh, our exam markets uh, mutual funds that we're expanding across canada uh, on the insurance side as well. So there's there's various ones. I mean, on the exam side is products, right? It's finding good products that, uh, you know, keeping our brand uh, as as being a leader in the industry by having by having products that uh, fulfill what they're saying, uh, that actually uh, materialize for investors and produce a return, uh, have, uh, have a security behind it, or realize actually an exit. That's the challenge that we face in the exam market. It's not only my firm, it's uh, pretty much uh, the whole industry is to try to get together and try to see what as an industry we can do to make sure that we protect the industry. Uh, because the challenge, one, one of the major challenges and we start seeing it is that regulation is going to come down and uh, impose certain things, uh, which is, you know, you get to understand them when you start seeing there's issues that that arise in, in, in the industry will get, you know, makes people nervous and makes people scared. Uh, people are, you know, there's been some bad news in the industry in the last few years. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's basically the same thing, sitting down and saying how the key players in the industry to, to, to determine how do we want to protect this industry going forward before the regulators impose to us. Uh, that that's one key aspect of it on the exam market side. Uh, the other, you know, I mean, and then like I mentioned on our portfolio management side, volatility. I mean, we've had some great years in the in the public market side, and we're starting to get a bit. You know, growth is getting stagnant worldwide, even though the U.S. is coming out with some great numbers, but the debt ceilings are going up. How do you, you know, how do you, how do you tell clients what what you, what you think is going to happen and uh, and protect their portfolio? So. No, we live in uncertain times, and uh, we, you know, we've always have. Uh, but you know, in every uncertainty, there's opportunities, and that's what I think. What Whitehaven, we were good at is finding these opportunities and finding uh, uh, balance and communicating properly to our clients, uh, and uh, taking it from there. And you know, there's amongst those challenges, other challenges, like I said, that uh, a lot of it is uh, again keeping up with regulation, making sure you're protecting the clients. You know, uh, the advantage we have as Whitehaven is we're a private company. 
Therefore, uh, you know, we don't have the, our stock, uh, you know, our shares are not listed on a public exchange where we have core, we have to respond quarterly, we have to meet yeah. certain targets. So, you know, if we feel yeah. that we want to be a little more conservative because of the times, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, ex- we'll, we'll reflect that and uh, mm-hmm. take on less products, we'll take on uh, less less risk for the firm and make sure that the clients, you know, we, we, we communicate that for them to understand it as well. I mean, uh, we have to be in business for them uh, to to keep uh, being happy with us. <laughs> so, and we got to protect the client's assets because at the end of the day, I mean, if we don't protect the client's assets, well, then there's no point of uh, us being in business. <laughs> so, let's do, like, close your eyes for a second. Let's walk together into the future. Let's say a decade from now, 2028. What do you see? Where do you want to see White Haven a decade from today? Ah. Uh, where do I want to see White Haven from today? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I just, it's, it's not really the firm that I, uh, that I want to, that I want to see in the future as being a leader. It's more if the vision and the culture where we've instilled to see it more in the finance industry, because like I, like I mentioned is, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of money sitting on the sidelines of the private markets as well too. I mean, people are just you know very skeptical sometimes on investing. Uh, the the public markets have changed in the last 20 25 years. Uh, you got the you know the big cash flow dividend companies, and you got those little small stocks, uh, and a lot of the good deals are in the private markets. And what we want to do is uh, Whitehaven to be one of the leaders in helping the private markets establish itself as uh, as, a, as a as a good market, the exam market as a good market to diversify a clients uh, a clients portfolios into some unique alternative investments. You're going to see a lot of more of alternative investments popping up. Uh, you know, a lot of them are calling it the democratization of alternatives because of the whole technology and blockchain you're going to be seeing all kinds of stuff that's going to be popping up that I'll be able to, you'll be able to get into deals or get into opportunities that you couldn't 10 years ago or maybe even last year because of blockchain technology per se or other kinds of fintech uh, so we want to be uh, we want to be up there as well too is uh, being a leader in on the fintech side that's why we're coming out with a lot of technology these days uh-huh um, yeah, and just making sure that we find the, keep finding the right opportunities that fit our client base. Like, I mean, not everything is for everyone, but uh, yeah, we, we, we want to be a leader in the industry and uh, we want to just keep growing the company uh, on, the, on, the, on the right pace that makes sure that we protect clients and we protect uh, our firm. Tommy, we have about less than uh, three minutes to the end of our show, so I have a few very short questions for you. Uh, what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> what keeps me awake at night? Uh, I guess volatile markets keep me awake at night. <laughs> <laughs> I think it keeps everybody awake at night. Yeah. Um, how do you measure success? I measure success by what you hear, uh, what you hear in the industry. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, my father always told me, uh, talk is cheap, you know, uh, actions speak louder than words. Uh, so I just let the, uh, you know, word of mouth clients tell other friends and their, you know, their family members and, you know, their network about us. Uh, we let our, 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 our actions speak in the industry. We try very little to, you know, to 
push our, uh, you know, we're the best kind of thing. We just pretty much tell people what we plan to do, what we currently do, where we're headed, and uh, just let the industry talk. And that's what I, when I meet sales, you know, I meet new representatives or new clients, I, I tell them, I said, well, ask around. That's the best, yeah. that's, uh, that's the best thing that you can do. Ask around. I'm not going to hear and sit there and tell you we're number one, we're the best and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, what have you learned about yourself through this journey? I've learned to myself that I've learned about myself that I'm a very dedicated individual and I will never take no for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> um, last question. Um, if you had an opportunity to invite one or two people for lunch or a beer, who would you invite? Whether dead or alive? Oh my God, now you put me on the spot. Um, one person I think I would I would love to uh, I mean, I have to go back to Greek culture. I would love to sit down with any Greek philosopher and just, you know, just uh, what they've done from Aristotle to Socrates and, you know, even Alexander the Great, just uh, uh, his vision and where he went and how, uh, you know, in, you know when, rule, when, uh, when winning a war, uh, instead of, you know, taking all the riches away, he'd implement, uh, he'd put in place universities and he'd expand the Greek culture. Uh, I, I just I like I like those kind of stories and uh, I'm just on the spot right now I think yeah those are people <laughs> that have to sit down and have a discussion and just see how they thought how they reason their logic you know perfect um, I have an advice for you uh, or an idea I'll be in Montreal in two weeks so you can uh, invite me for beer or lunch and that uh, and you have to settle for that Tommy. We reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Thank you so much for uh, being my guest. Uh, Tommy Belts is co-founder and CEO of Whitehaven Securities, uh, sharing with us his success and entrepreneurship experience. Thank you for tuning in and your feedback emails. Please keep on emailing me, emailing me your feedback as well as suggestions at dvwallock at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Aaron, our dedicated engineer, and Sasha, Sasha Maya, assistant executive producer. I'll meet you here at voiceamerica.com slash variety with a new guest next Tuesday, November 20th, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.